das ist eine Maschine. Eine Maschine 50. Eine Maschine 50. Tonight, White Nights. If you don't care to listen now, of course, I must postpone the rest of my story till you are ready to listen. I hope it will be very soon. Join us for the White Nights at Her Machine 15. исследовательские институты особого рода, ласково огрещенные шарашками, повелись с 1930 года, когда стали гнать косяками инженеров. Dando vita a personaggi indimenticabili, smarriti nell'immensa solitudine della vita. Io vorrei farti dormire, ma... come i personaggi delle favole, che dormono per svegliarsi solo il giorno in cui saranno felici. Ma la felicità non esiste per i sognatori, che la fantasia condanna ad inseguire un'ombra più forte di qualsiasi realtà. nonna, per paura che io facessi qualche guaio, e siccome è quasi cieca non poteva tenermi dietro, a volte prendeva una, una spilla e appuntava la mia sottana alla sua. Oh. 
Davvero? Vai via! Presto, vai! bianche, un'opera ricca di suggestioni, vibrante di emotività, un dramma umano immutabile nel tempo, narrato con uno stile nuovo e audace che supera i limiti del vero per giungere ad una realtà poeticamente ricreata.
Ivan Denisovich always got up at the clanging of the rail. But this day he didn't. He'd been feeling rotten since the previous evening, feverish with pains all over his body. He hadn't been able to keep warm all night. Even in his sleep he felt at one moment that he was really ill, at another that he was getting better. He didn't want the morning to come, but the morning came as it always does. S-854, three days in the cells, with work. But why, Citizen Guard? For not getting up on time. Come with me. Detention with work? That's not so bad. Well, at least you get hot food and no time to think. Could have been worse. The sky was so starry, so bright, that looking at it, one could not help asking oneself whether ill-humoured and capricious people could live under such a sky. From early morning, I had been oppressed by a strange despondency. It suddenly seemed to me that I was lonely, that everyone was forsaking me and going away from me. Of course, Anyone is entitled to ask who everyone was. S-854, I'm letting you off. Scrub the floor. Thank you, citizen guard. I'll never get up late again. I felt afraid of being left alone. And for three whole days, I wandered about the town in profound dejection, not knowing what to do with myself. Well, do we work or do we not work? Don't breathe on it, for God's sake. We don't want you to warm it. Warm it? My breath wouldn't warm anything. We'll work. It's nowhere near 40 below. Come down. 27 and a half below. Not a bit more. They, of course, Time. do not know me. But I know them. I know them intimately. I have almost made a study of their faces. It always lies. And I'm delighted you when they are You think they hang one up that gives the real temperature? When they are under a cloud. a grave, pensive countenance. He is always whispering to himself and brandishing his left arm, while in his right hand he holds a long, gnarled stick with a gold handle. Hey! You! Skunk! Oh! 
you doing? How much water you're going to use, swine? Have you ever seen anyone wash a floor like that? It's the only way to get it clean, citizen guard. The dirt's ingrained. Didn't you ever see your woman scrubbing floors, pig? I was taken away from my wife in 41, citizen guard. I can't remember what she looks like. Well, that's the way they scrub. The swine don't know how to do anything and don't want to. We ought to feed them on dung. Bread's much too good for them. <laughs> There's no point in washing the floor every day. It only gets damp. Hey, you! Just wipe it over and then get out. Fast. I know the houses, too. As I walk along, they seem to run forward in the streets, to look out at me from every window, and almost to say, Good morning. How do you do? I am quite well, thank God, and I am to have a new story in May. Or, how are you? I am being redecorated tomorrow. I got a parcel yesterday. If you want to buy some tobacco, you better come now. Same price. I can't. After I've eaten, I'm going to the infirmary. I'm sick. I'll come later. I may not have any left then. For two evenings, I was puzzling my brains to think of what was amiss in my corner, and why I felt so uncomfortable in it. I kept your breakfast for you, Ivan Denisovich. It's cold. I'm just going to eat it. I thought you were in the cells. And in perplexity, I scanned my grimy green walls, my ceiling covered with a spider's web, the growth of which Matrona has so successfully encouraged. I looked over all my furniture. The soup was the same every day fish, and whatever vegetable was provided that winter. The year before it had been salted carrots. This year it was cabbage. When they ran out of that, they'd give them stewed nettles. Examined every chair, wondering whether the trouble lay there. For if one chair is not standing in the same position as it stood the day before, I am not myself. I looked at the window, but it was all in vain. I was not a bit the better for it. I even bethought me to send for Matrona, and was giving her some fatherly admonitions in regard to the spider's webs and sluttishness in general, but she simply stared at me in amazement and went away without saying a word, so that the spider's web is comfortably hanging in its place to this day. I only at last, this morning, realized what was wrong. I, why, they are giving me the slip and making off to their summer villas. Forgive the triviality of the expression, but I am in no mood for fine language, for everything that had been in Petersburg had gone or was going away for the holidays, for every respectable gentleman of dignified appearance who took a cab was at once transformed, in my eyes... Rumor had it that it was the Chinese who had given the authorities the idea of serving boiled grass instead of porridge. A bowl full of it weighed more than half a pound, but when you'd eaten it, you were still hungry. The good thing about it was that it had no taste, hot or cold. Vera Pavlovna's training was very ordinary. Her life, up to the time when she made the acquaintance of the medical student Lopukov, was rather remarkable, although it was not singular. But in her actions, even then, could be seen something singular. Vera Pavlovna grew up in a many-storied house on Gorokovaya Street between Sadovia Street and the Semyonovsky Bridge. At the present day, this house is marked with its appropriate number, but in 1852, when as yet the streets were not numbered, 
It bore the inscription, The House of the Actual State Councillor Ivan Zakharovich Storeshnikov. Such was the inscription. But Ivan Zakharovich Storeshnikov had died as long ago as 1837. You should have thought about that earlier. You know as well as I do that in the morning I'm allowed to exempt from work two men only. And I've already exempted them. I've written their names down. See? Yes, Collier, but last night when it should have ached, it didn't. I know it does. So, where does it ache? Well, if I think about it, nowhere. Well, I just feel bad all over. I've already drawn a line across the page. See? Come on, take this. You should know better. Reporting sick just before parade? And since that time, the proprietor of the house was his son Mikhail Ivanovich, thus said the doctor. Ivan Denisovich's fate was poised in the balance. At this moment, his team leader was fighting with the authorities to save the men. They'd been ordered to go to work on a new site, which was to become the socialist center for cultural activities, but which was as yet nothing but a huge barren waste covered with snowdrifts. There would be nowhere to shelter, nowhere to get warm. But the tenants knew that Mikhail Ivanovich was merely the son of his father, and that the real proprietor was Anna Petrovna. And so he was dreaming of being ill. Not dangerously ill, of course, but bad enough to lie in bed for The three house weeks was at so. that time just as it is now, large, with two gates and four entrances. Either on one the thing or another, 99.2. If it had been a hundred, there'd be no problem. No, I can't exempt you. Stay behind at your own risk if you want. The doctor will examine you. If he thinks you're ill, he'll exempt you. If not, well, you'll be put in the cells. You'd uh, do better to go to work. Mikhail Ivanovich is now an army officer of distinction, as he was then a distinguished and handsome officer. I do not know who is now living on the fourth floor apartment on the right hand as you enter from one of the innumerable dirty back entrances of the first floor. How can you expect somebody who's warm to understand somebody who's cold? But in 1852, there were living there the manager of the house, Pavel Kostyanovich Rozalski, a hearty and representative man. His wife, Maria Alexievna, a lean, strong, tall woman, with their daughter, a grown-up girl, the very same Vera Pavlovna, and their little nine-year-old son, Fyodor. So you're not in the cells, Ivan Denisovich? Still alive. Thank you. Pavel Kostantinovich, besides having the management of the house, held the office of assistant in a government department. His office gave him no salary, but at home he had a small income. Anyone else would have had much more, but Pavel Kostantinovich, as he himself said, had a conscience. Consequently, the Kozidika of the house was very well satisfied with him, and during the fourteen years of his management, he had accumulated a capital of about 10,000 rubles. Of this money, only 3,000 and no more came out of the Kozidika's pocket. Have you heard, Ivan Denisovich? You're not going to the Socialist Center for Cultural Activities after all. The team leader's fixed it. We're in luck. 
The balance was gained by being turned over and over, and not to the detriment of the Kozidika. Pavel Konstantinovitch was in the habit of loaning money on pawn of personal property. Maria Alexievna had also a little capital, as she told her gossipy friends, but in reality she had more. The foundation of this capital had been laid about fifteen years before by the sale of a raccoon-skin shuba, a little dress, and some furniture which had been left Maria Alexievna by her brother, a chinovnik. Having thus obtained about one hundred and fifty roubles, she also began to turn them over and over by loaning on personal security. She took greater risks than her husband did, and many times she got caught on the hooks. Some rogue borrowed five roubles from her on the security of a passport. The passport happened to be a stolen one, and it cost Maria Alexievna about fifteen roubles more to free herself from the entanglement. Another rascal pawned to her a gold watch for twenty roubles. The watch proved to have been taken from a murdered man, and Maria Alexievna was compelled to spend a good round sum to get out of this entanglement. But if she suffered losses which her husband, by his careful scrutiny of securities, avoided, still her capital grew with greater rapidity. Singular instances of her way of money-getting were detected. Once upon a time, Vera Pavlovna was then small. If her daughter had been older, Maria Alexievna would not have done it, but at that time, why not do it? The child does not understand. And indeed, Vierotchka by herself would not have understood it. But she did learn of it thanks to the cook, who explained it to her with very great detail. Time's up, hundred and fourth. Out you get. Yes, and the cook would not have spoken of it because the child ought not to have known about it. But it happened so that her soul was impatient after Maria Alexievna had given her one of her tremendous thrashings because she had taken a walk with her lover. By the way, Matryona's eye was always black and blue, not because of Maria Alexievna's fist, but her lover's. And this had its good side, since a cook with discolored eyes did not get such high wages. But as I started to say, once upon a time there came to Maria Alexievna a lady of her acquaintance whom she had not seen for a long time, well-dressed, magnificent, handsome. She came and made quite a visit. She stayed quietly for a week, but all the time a certain civilian came to see her, a handsome man, who gave Yerochka candy and presented her with beautiful dolls and also two little books. How long do we have to wait for you and your men? You're late again! You've got one man sick and 23 bits for work. Is that it? 23. Both had pictures, but in one of the books were pretty little pictures, animals and cities. Security people are keeping him back. I don't understand. He'll be squealing again. Is he an informer? While we're at work, they can question him when they like. They fix it through the infirmary. But the other little book Maria Alexievna took away from Vierotchka after the gentleman had left, so that she saw the pictures only once, and that was while he was there. He himself showed them to her. About a week this lady stayed with them, and everything was quiet in the house. Maria Alexievna all the week did not once go to the cupboard, where a decanter of vodka was standing, the key of which she always kept in her own possession. She did not beat Matryona, did not beat Vierotchka, and she did not scold as loud as usual. Then one night, Vierotchka was constantly disturbed by their guests' terrible shrieks, by the coming and going, and the uproar in the house. In the morning, Maria Alexievna went to the cupboard and stood in front of it longer than usual, and kept saying, Glory to God, all went well, glory to God. 
She even called Matri6na to the cupboard and said, " To your health, Matri6nushka, you too worked hard." But instead of doubling her fist, as she used to do in old times after visiting the cupboard, she kissed Vi^rotchka and took a nap. After this the house was quiet for about a week, and the guests did not shriek any more, but she never left the room until she went away altogether. Two days after she left, a civilian came — not the one who had been there before, but another civilian, who brought with him the police, and gave Marya Aleks^yevna a round berating. But Marya Aleks^yevna did not yield to him, but kept asseverating, " I know nothing whatsoever of your business." You can find out by the register who has been staying with me. Mrs. Savastyanova, the wife of a merchant of Pskov, and a friend of mine Speed has been now. here, and that's all there Just is to it. take the names of anyone wearing extra clothes. Finally, after using his whole battery of words, the civilian departed and never appeared again. Name and number. I want a written explanation by this evening. Hand it in with the rest of the stores. Keep moving. Yurochka witnessed this when she was eight years old, and when she was nine years old, Matryona explained to her Wait, what the occurrence sir. really was. Name and number. You've no right to make people undress in this cold. You don't know Article 9 of the Criminal Code. You're not true Soviets. You're not true communists. Ten days in the cells. However, such an occurrence happened only once. There Starting were various others, evening. but nothing like this. always coldest at dawn. It's the end of that cooling off process which happens during the night. Come on! Come on! Keep them moving! Keep them moving! Four fives! Move! Move! Each man is more precious than gold. If there's one head short when they get past the wire, one of the guards will have to replace it with his own. Hi. No one dared make a mistake. If you sign for one head too many, you made it up with your own. Order on the march will be strictly obeyed. Keep to your ranks. No hurry. Keep a steady pace. No talking. You will look to the front at all times and keep your hands behind your back. A step to the right or a step to the left is considered an attempt to escape. And the escort has orders to shoot without warning. Leading ranks. Quick march!
second. Third. Four. Pablo, come with me to the office. The rest of you get to the repair shop. Wait for me there till I know where we have to work today. Will you bring my lunch to the office, please, Commander Nistich? Only when the towers were manned were the prisoners allowed to enter the work site. Here, from sunrise to sunset, they worked, and then were marched back to camp again after darkness had fallen. What are you doing, picking up that filth? You'll get a syphilitic lip. Throw that stuff away. When you have done eight years, Captain, you'll be picking them up yourself. I've seen it happen to a prouder man than you. You shouldn't have shown your pride so much, Captain, when they searched you. Let's get moving, the 38. One blizzard yet. Not one snowstorm all winter. Mm -hmm. What sort of a winter is this? What's so special about a snowstorm? They don't send you out to work, of course. You can escape in a snowstorm, Captain. How far do you think you'd get? A blizzard? <laughs> no good to anyone. Food doesn't reach the camp. No bread, no hot meals. And it doesn't matter how long it takes, you have to make up the time by working Sundays. I love a good blizzard. Whenever I hear the wind blow up, I look up at the sky and I think, let's have some of the real stuff, the more the merrier. It'll take us half a day to get this place right before we can start work. It's exactly like the sixth left it last autumn. We've got to do it. Get the men to work! Now, boys, after they've eaten, we'll be working on the second story, laying blocks. 
we use this place for mixing water. And for keeping warm. Right. If we are to live through the next weeks, we must keep up the cold. So find something to cover those windows. friends, you'd do better to light little fires over these holes. The ground would thaw out then. We're not allowed to. You won't give us any firewood. Scrounge some. had any brains in their heads. Do you think they'd make men hack away at the ground with pickaxes in a frost like this? Yeah. It was lying about. Put it here when the snow came. Oh, put it here. Ah, still here. How we're going to carry it? They'll see it in the windows and then they'll know where it came from. What's that got to do with us? We can say it was already at the power station when we got there. What are we supposed to do? Pull it down? We can't carry it lengthwise. But upright.
We've got some roofing felt for the windows. Good. Now we start again. What the hell are you doing? Hey, don't knock those down. We'll need them to hold on to. Zenka! Zenka, I said don't knock down the rails. We'll need them to hold on to. All right. You want to freeze to death? Good job of it, Gopchik. We're fixing this for ourselves. Clear up. Get on with the job or I'll warm your asses for you. Team leader, look at this. They bring the buckets of water, but they freeze up on the way. Wouldn't it be quicker to melt snow? No. Keep them at it. I'm going to hand in the work report. More depended on the work rates than on the work itself. A clever team leader concentrated on the work rates, for on the work rates depended the rations. If something hadn't been done, the team leader made it look as though it had. He turned jobs that were rated low into jobs that were rated high. But who in the end profited from these work rates? Let's be clear about it, the camp. The camp made a profit of thousands of rubles out of the prisoners' work, and their profit was shared out among the officers. So why, you might ask, should the prisoners labour so hard, day in, day out, ten long years for the camp? You'd think they'd say, no thank you, and that's that. We'll do nothing. But they'd thought of that. The authorities had invented the teams, so that the guards shouldn't have to drive the prisoners, but that the prisoners should drive one another. It worked like this. Either they all got something to eat, or they all had to starve. Hey, deputy team leader. I've finished. It's ready. Make some hearts out of these. Hearts? What for? For carrying mortar up to the second story. I'm going to go hungry because of you. Put your guts into it and shift sand. Louse.
steady. Yes, the sun won't get any higher. If the sun is at its peak, it's one o'clock, not noon. What do you mean? Any old man can tell you the sun's at its highest when it's time to eat. Yes, any old man, perhaps. But since their day, a new decree has been issued that the sun is at its highest at one o'clock. Who issued the decree? The Soviet government. Did you say the government can even tell the sun what to do? Out, it'll scorch. You'll have a hole in it till the spring. What does Ivan Denisovich case? He's got one foot home already. Yeah, the one without the boot. Ivan Denisovich's sentence is almost over. Now, don't start counting all the time you've got to do. Anyway, you don't know if you'll be here for your full 25 years. And who knows they'll let me out when my time's up? They didn't let the team leader out. He's serving his second. Well, all I know is I've done eight years out of ten, and that's for sure. Gave evidence against myself. Who didn't? Right. They said I'd surrendered to the enemy with the intention of betraying my country. I'd come back with instructions from the Germans. What instructions? They never said. If I didn't sign, they'd shoot me. If I did sign, well, at least I'd go on living for a while. I signed. Forty-two it was, February. The whole army was cut off. We cut the hooves off dead horses, soaked them in water to soften them and ate them. Yeah. No ammunition either. The Germans tracked us down, locked us up for a couple of days. Then five of us managed to escape, got back to our own lines. Our lads thought we were Germans, opened fire with machine guns. The two next to me were killed on the spot. Another one died of wounds. Two of us left alive. Of course, we should have said we got lost in the forest, but we told the truth. So they said, escape from the Germans, no, you bastards. You put your heads together with the enemy and cooked up the old story. Ten years. Three times I escaped. Three times they caught me. Okay, Ivan Denisovich, you've been in for eight years. But what camps? Not specials like this for your enemies of the state. You have women to sleep with. You didn't have to wear numbers. Try and spend the whole eight years in a special. No one comes out of a special alive. I never saw any women. All I ever saw was logs. No, you can live all right here. We don't work nights. We stop work at the same time every day. Whether you finish your quota or not, you're allowed back to the camp to sleep. That's the law. And bread? The basic ration six ounces more. Okay, it's a special, so what? Does it bother you to wear a number? They don't weigh anything, you know, numbers. No, I think we have a quieter life here. At least we're not amongst thieves and murderers. A quieter life? 
Men having their throats cut while in their bunks. You call that quieter? Not men. Squealers. We've left it too late. We should have got our places in the queue long ago. Ah, yes. You might have counted 14, but you didn't give a mouse. Count them if you don't believe me. They're all here on the table. Okay, show me. It's a pleasure. But out the way, Tom. It's spoiling the view. See, two rows of six, 12, two on top, 14, all nice and tidy. Count them. Where's your team? They're not all here yet. Then by the hell are you taking balls? Finish eating, clear out, and let us in. There they are. 16. Four extra bowls, deputy team leader. One is for the team leader, one's for Chazar. And the other two? Vendenisovich, take Chazar's bowl to him, and there's an extra one for you. 
Captain. Hey, Captain. What? Take it. Take it. Take food out of here. Somebody in the office. Wait for it. Objectively speaking, you must admit that Eisenstein was a genius of the cinema. Ivan the Terrible. Isn't that the film of a genius? The dance of the Tsar's bodyguard in those masks. The scene in the cathedral. Mannered. It's also contrite. Pepper and poppy seat instead of bread and butter. And the politics. Evil. The justification of one-man tyranny. An insult to the memory of three generations of Russian intelligentsia. So what other interpretation of the subject would have been permitted? Permitted? Then don't speak of him as a genius. Call him an opportunist. Say that he carried out orders like a dog. A genius doesn't compromise his work to suit the taste of tyrants. Now look, art is not a question of what. It is a question of how. To hell with your how. If it doesn't touch me. <laughs> and the prisoners have been chopping up expensive boards for fireworks. And the cement, they unloaded in a strong wind. The, the whole area around the stores is, is ankle deep in cement. It's a complete waste. You're not a peasant. You're a son of a farmer, a land-owning pig, he screamed at me. You betrayed Soviet power. You've been hiding in the army for years. I was discharged the same day. Hey, now. Let me some tobacco till tomorrow, you know, I won't let you down. It was in the middle of November. They'd given me nothing to wear but my summer uniform. I had no money, no special travel documents. All I had was a couple of loaves of bread I bought under the counter. So I got over a brick wall and climbed into the lavatory behind the station. Police everywhere. The Vladivostok Moscow train was in. There was a crowd with their kettles around the hot water tap on the platform. I noticed a girl in a blue jersey. She was scared of pushing through the crowd to the tap. She didn't want her little feet trodden on, so I said, well, hang on to these loaves. I'll fill your kettle for you. And while I was doing it, the train began to move. And she was holding the bread. She burst into tears. Run, I shouted. I'll follow you. Off she went, me after her. I caught up with her and hoisted her onto the train with one arm. There were six of these girls. Students going to Moscow. We talked and choked and drank together. 
They asked where I was going. Girls, I said. Death is my destination. They hid me all the way to Novosibirsk. One of them I was able to repay later. She was on her last legs doing hard labor. I got her fixed up in the tailoring shop. Team leader, should we begin to mix the mortar? When I got off the train, I went to our house, but I left the same night. Took my little brother with me, handed him over to a gang of drifters, thieves, pickpockets. Teach him how to live, I said. By the way, in 38, at the Kotlas Deportation Center, I met a former officer who told me that both my regimental commander and the commissar who had accused me had been shot in 37. So you do exist, I said to myself. You are a patient, but when you strike, you strike hard. And you never saw your brother again? Never again. Well, let's... Don't worry. We'll live through it, even in this damn power station. I fixed a good work report, good rates for the next five days. So don't let's sit about. Get going, motor mixers. Don't wait for a whistle. Hey, hero of the Soviet Union. Hurry up with that plumb line. Never mind the plumb line. What about the ice on your wall? You hoping to use your trial before evening? Hey, boys. I'll make the fourth block lay myself. We'll work in pairs so that the mortar doesn't freeze in the hearts. Ivan Denisovich, you take Zenka with you on your wall. I'll work with Kilgas. If you're going to lay blocks, I'll mix the mortar for you myself. We'll see which one of us can work the faster. Hey, where's the long trouble? Come on. There and stand in for me a moment. Help Kilgas to clean up the wall. You bring the blocks to me, Alyosha. Understand? Put them there and there. Put 
Captain! Going on with this slacker, little rat. Right. Fetchukov, go down and help with the blocks. I'm sending you, Fetchukov. See that he does as much work as the others. Right. Send him down. Alyosha, you'll work with the captain. Now I feel better. Right, sailor. It's all hands on deck. You see how fast they're laying the blocks? Then we'll have to keep up with them, won't we? Yes. Whatever you say. Team leaders, they've come to repair the electrical hoist. Two men, a civilian and a fitter. That's right, stick to the rules. One man works, one man watches. Look who's here. Offense, stolen goods, roofing felt on the windows of the generator room. You'll get a third sentence for this. Your time for passing sentences is over. If you so much as say a word about it, you bloodsucker, this will be your last day on earth. What should I tell the superintendent, Curin? Tell him it was like that when we arrived. Hey, SA-54, why are you using such a thin layer of mortar? You might like to know, my dear sir, that if I lay the mortar on any thicker in frost like this, when the thaw comes, the old place will melt away. I'm a foreman, you're a bricklayer. Listen and do what I tell you. You get that mechanic and hoist fixed! What do you think we are? Donkeys carrying blocks up to the second story by hand? They'll give you double the rate for bringing them up. Yeah, wheelbarrow rates. You try pushing a wheelbarrow up here. We want triple rates for carrying them up by hand. You don't think I'd mind, do you? But the bookkeepers wouldn't pass it. Hell with the bookkeepers. I've got the whole team sweating to keep four masons at work. 
How much do you think we'll earn? The fitter says the hoist can't be repaired. Damn the whole lot of you. Pablo wants to know how you're getting on for mortar. Make some more. We've got half a box ready. Make another. Keep going, you bastards!
تیم لیدر and empty out the mixer. Take the mortar, put it in the hole, and cover it with snow so nobody can see it. Pablo, take a couple of lads, collect all the tools, and turn them in. I'll send the last three towels with Kopchik. We'll finish off the two hearts that are here. <laughs> Not bad, eh? In half a day, and without the hoist. I'll finish off the mortar, boys. My trowel's not on the list, so there's no need to hand it in. You can all give your trowels to Gopchi. I'll keep going. What are we going to do when they let you out, Ivan Denisovich? What are we going to do without you? Come on! You'll be late! To hell with the mortar! Sling it over the wall! Don't worry, you need it over there. Why do these rats make the work day so short? We were just getting going when I call it off. Survived ten days in the cells.
there another one of you? Yeah. Team leader 104. Yeah? Did you leave anyone behind in the power station? Think! No. Think again. I'll kick your brain. I friend. said no! Form up in teams! Under the fourth! Over here! Sixty-five! This way! Forty-fifth! Over here! Over here! This way, Martin! How are things? How are things? Worked like a horse. Can hardly straighten my back. Here. Do you remember that shot on the Potemkin when the Pansnay were hanging from the ship's rigging? Mm -hmm. Or or a scene where the pram went bumping slowly, slowly down the steps. Yeah. Mm. The life on board seems a bit artificial. Well, the trouble is, you see, we've been spoiled by modern cinema techniques. Big close-ups. Well, those maggots crawling all over the meat. They were as big as earthworms. They couldn't really have been that size, could they? <laughs> no. Now, wh what do you expect for the screen? Show them any smaller, you never see them. They <laughs> gave us that meat instead of the rotten fish we got. And missing in the 30 second. 30 second. Okay, 460. K460. 460. K460. That's the spy. Oh, yeah, the real one. For the Romanians. God help him. Are we going through all this for that rat? For that slimy little snake, that stinking pig. see it. If you can't see it, how do you know it's there? 
What are you suggesting? That every month we're given a brand new moon. People are born every, every day. Why not a new moon every four weeks? I've never met a man as stupid as you in all my life. Where do you think the old moon goes? That's what I'm asking you, where? Now you tell us. Well, in our village back home, old people say God breaks the old moon up into stars. Savages. I never heard anything like it. You believe in God, do you? Well, why not? Hear him thunder and try not to believe in him. Why does God do it? Do what? Break the old moon up into stars. Why? Well, can't you work it out? The stars fall down now and then. The gaps have to be filled somehow. strict about such things. If you're in command of a ship but of a lower rank, they call your captain only as a courtesy. That's so. Uh, how come you know British Navy life so well? Eh? I spent nearly a month aboard a British cruiser. I was seconded to an Arctic convoy as liaison officer. At my own cabin. Then, if you please, after the war, the British Admiral sent me a gift with the inscription which read, Token of our gratitude. Damn it. Came as a thunderbolt. One day I'm in command of my own ship. The next day I'm sent here as a spy. What about you then? How many films have you made? Oh, they arrested me while I was still shooting my first one. It's the column from the machine works. We've got to get back first, or we'll never get anything to eat. Come on, you sharp move! Come on, move! Come on! Run! 
I'll run straight to the parcels office and keep the place in the queue for you. Why should you do that if I'm in his speech? Maybe there won't be a parcel. Bonfire! It, it doesn't matter. I'll wait ten minutes anyway. If you don't turn up, I'll go to the house. All right, if I'm in his speech. You run ahead and keep a place for me. Open the gate! Okay, 460. Hands behind back. You will be charged with attempting to escape. Long ago, Ivan Denisovich had written to his wife not to send parcels. Back home, it had been easier for him to feed his whole family than it was to feed himself now. But he knew what the parcels cost. He knew, too, that his family wouldn't be able to keep it up for ten years. Better do without them.
But when anyone he knew received a parcel, his heart ached because there wasn't one for him. And even though he'd forbidden his wife to send anything, every now and then he longed for someone to run up and say, Ivan Denisovich, there's a parcel for you. Have you heard? There'll be no Sunday again this week. Ah, Pyotr Mihailovich. Look what I've got, straight from the printing press, last week's evening paper. They sent it by airmail from Moscow. Really? Here's an extremely interesting review of a Zabatsky first night. Muscovites. They can smell each other a mile away. Yeah, they sniff and sniff like dogs. I can never understand them. So I can, uh, Churchy Markovich. I'll be off now. Yes, yes, of course, of course. Uh, just tell me, who's in front of me, who's behind me? F-127 in front, D-301 behind. Shall I bring you your supper? No, no, you eat it yourself, Ivan Denisovich.
Vendenisevich. Had a good day? Not bad. Yeah. Cold. Mm. Got any tobacco left? The same as before. Of course it's the same. I never get any other kind. All right. Press it down. Press it down. I know. I know.
like it, man. Packed it too loose. Yeah, you are. Scalded my fingers. Anisevich, will you lend me your ten days? If you want to buy a knife, I'll make you one. I found this today. By now. Trouble is, my men haven't had much education. It's not easy for them. And there's no pens, no ink. They should have them. They've been taken away. Watch it, team leader. Talk like that and I'll put you in the cells. Stilo's reports are handed in tomorrow before parade. And the unauthorized garments to be surrendered at the clothes store. Get it? Yes, three one one, one of ours. Have to check my list. Don't expect me to remember all those damn numbers, do you? Bojanowski, is he here? Yes, here I am. Yes, three one one. Right, come on. <coughs> where am I going? You know where. How many days? Come on. Come on, get a move on. 
Goodbye. Good luck. Don't let them get you down, Captain. See you soon. Come on now, everyone. Out again now. Out before I count three. Anyone who isn't out will have his number taken. And I'll report him. Treasure Markovich, look. Wait till everybody's gone or they'll steal the lot. Then when the guard comes, say you're not feeling very well. I'll go out first and I'll be back first. That's the way. What's you frightened of? Never seen frost before. Come outside. Warm yourself by the moon. Put your boots up there if you want, but don't touch anybody else's. Thank you, Ivan Denisovich. sleeping in the cells tonight. You see, Ivan Denisovich, your soul is crying out to pray. Why don't you listen to it and set it free? I'll tell you why, Alios. Prayers are like the complaints we make to the authorities. Either they don't get there, or they come back marked rejected. That's because you don't pray often enough. And when you do pray, you don't give your whole heart. That's why your prayers don't get answered. You must pray without end. If you had real faith, you can tell a mountain to move. And it will move. Come off it, Alyosh. You and all your Baptists, when you were down there in the Caucasus praying, how many mountains did you move? We didn't pray for that. Of all earthly and mortal things, our Lord commanded us to pray only for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Our bread ration, you mean. Ivan Denisovich, you mustn't pray to get a parcel or for an extra helping of porridge. Things that men set store by are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Pray for things of the Spirit. 
pray that Jesus Christ will scourge the wickedness from our hearts. Alyosha, I'm not against God, understand that. I believe in God, all right. But I don't believe in heaven and hell. Do you think we're fools? Why, why do you give us all this heaven and hell stuff? That's what bothers me. You can pray as much as you like, but it won't take anything off your sentence. You'll have to sit it out from beginning to end. But you mustn't pray for that either. Why do you want freedom? If you were free, what little faith you had left would be lost in the turmoil. Rejoice that you're in captivity. Here you're free to examine your soul. Paul the Apostle said, I am ready not to be bound only, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. Alyosh, it's all right for you. Jesus Christ ordered you to be here, and so you're here for his sake. Why am I here? Because we weren't ready for war in 41. Is that it? Am I to blame for that? Hey, looks like there's going to be no recount. Write it in coal inside the chimney. No second count. Time for sleep. Second count! Come out there! All out to the other half of the hut. Bastards. Everyone out! Thank you, Chesa Markovich. Hand me a bag. I'll hide it under my pillow. Nobody will think of looking in my bed. Sure you've enough for yourself. You take it. Thank you.
Ivan Denisovich went to sleep content. He'd been fortunate in many ways that day. He hadn't been put in the cells. The team hadn't been sent to the Socialist Center for Cultural Activities. He'd pinched a bowl of porridge at dinner. The team leader had fixed the rates well. He'd been happy building the wall. He hadn't been caught with the hacksaw blade. He'd earned something from Cesar. He'd bought some tobacco. And he hadn't fallen ill. He'd got over it. There were 3,653 days like this in his sentence. From the moment he woke to the moment he slept. The three extra days were for leap years.
This was her machine, her machine 50. White Knights or what has to be done. Texts and sources by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. White Knights by Fyodor Dostoevsky. A Vital Question or What Has to be Done by Chernyevsky. Spoken by Expatriate. The White Knights quotation was spoken by Jennifer M. Schivel. Music by Emil Philipson. Her Machine 50. 